Welcome to Grand County Matters. My name is John Sanderson. This show is for and about all of the people who live, work, and love Grand County. It doesn't matter what part of the county you call home, I hope to have something for everyone. This edition of Grand County Matters is brought to you by Sanderson Commercial Real Estate. The name Grand County Trusts when specialization matters. Online at sandersonre.com. Hello and welcome back to the program. This is John Sanderson. Today I'm joined by Shelly Olson. Shelly wears many, many hats. We've been friends for some time. So when Shelly agreed to come on the program today, I said, you know, you know and do too many things for me to know and introduce you. So I'm going to let Shelly introduce herself. Shelly? Great. Thank you, John. Good to see you again. It's been a long time. Yep. Uh, thank you for having me on the program. I appreciate this. Uh, yes, I do wear many hats. I'm sitting right now in my office at uh, Grand Fire Protection District Number 1 in Grandy. I am the assistant chief here. My responsibilities are administration, community risk reduction. I'm a public information officer and a wildland fire um, specialist, I guess you could say. Um, another hat that I do wear is uh, the Grand County Wildfire Council, uh, founder and chairperson of that. So, um, yeah, I've been involved in the community doing, you know, fire and EMS for, for quite some time. But, um, yeah, you want to kind of hear how I got here in the first place? Yeah, give us the, okay. give us the journey to Grand County. Okay. Well, uh, we lived in Broomfield in a house, my husband and I, and we had two small daughters um, at that house. They were both born at Boulder Community Hospital, Haley and Peyton. And I think it was about 19, let's see, 98. I was nine months pregnant with Haley and Jeff drove up to Grand Lake and he looked at places and he saw this cabin. He thought, I'm just going to buy this cabin. And we had friends from Minnesota who had kind of introduced us to Grand County. We had visited, they lived in Columbine Lake area and we, we really liked it. So Jeff just went ahead and bought a cabin and we, we spent some weekends, you know, we left Broomfield and drove up and were able to snowmobile and hang out with friends. And this little cabin was on Tammy Road 471, so a little outside of Grand Lake. Um, a couple of years went by and, you know, the, the ski traffic that we all have to deal with and, you know, driving back and forth for, for the weekends became a lot. And we decided, hey, what if we buy a little piece of property in Grand Lake and we build something there and we'll sell the cabin and we'll sell the house in Broomfield and we'll just move it to Grand County. Well, that's what happened. We uh, started a process of building a house. It became it became a log home. It was um, about 4,200 square feet. And um, we're like, all right, we just have to live here full time now because we <laughs> have two places. So, um, you know, enrolled the kids in school. We had a first grader and a um, preschooler. And, you know, we had the school in Grand Lake. It was wonderful. Met a lot of people. Um, it was just really just a great place for these kids to grow up. So um, the house that we built was over in Winding River Villas, over by the, the ranch, uh, a little outside of Grand Lake. So, um, you know, I didn't have a job 
when I moved up here, um, I think, I'm trying to think, I retired from marketing. I was in marketing in, in the city. And Jeff really could do, do his job from wherever. And so he was just working from home, home office. And I kept getting asked by my neighbor if I would join the Grand Lake Fire Department. And I resisted and resisted. And I said, no, 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 that's not for me. Well, finally, I gave in and I went to some Wednesday night meetings and I joined the Grand Lake Fire Department. So I became a volunteer. Um, I really enjoyed. I, I learned a lot. Um, and the next thing that happened was that the fire chief at the time wanted a few of us to go to uh, EMT school. They, they wanted us to be trained as EMT. So I said, yes, I, of course, I didn't have a job. We were able to take the intensive class. It was one month, every single day, get your EMT, do your clinicals, all that. Loved it. Loved the medical side of things. So um, got hired by Grand County EMS. And I think that was in 2009-ish. Um, and now I have a job. I had two small kids still. And Jeff traveled for work. Um, so it was a little challenging because we were 48 hours on and 96 off, but we made it work. And I did that for a couple of years. Then I got a job at the medical center. Remember, we had little Granby Medical Center, downtown Granby, and um, I became a critical care technician there. So I could do more of the, the medicine side. And I got to work for Centura Health, big you know outfit. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I mean, we... Um, the little Grammy Medical Center closed, and I didn't know what to do next. Um, a friend told me about Grand Fire and that they were hiring here as a, an administrative position, but also as a public information officer. And those are the folks who work on incidents or work for an agency and make sure that everybody in the community knows, you know, pertinent information that can help them make good decisions. So that kind of fit me with the marketing side of things. And I got hired at Grand Fire. Um, and I worked alongside the fire chief very closely. He taught me everything he knew about running a special district because in, in Colorado, we are title 32 special district and we, um, you know, gather or, you know, collect tax dollars so that we can do the operations we need to do and things like that. Um, so they lost this fire chief. Um, it wasn't his choice, but he left, um, the fire department. And um, I really just continued doing the administrative part of it. And the next fire chief that came in promoted me to the assistant chief of administration. So here I am, um, have this job now. And this was in 2011. Um, and, you know, it, this job has really just grown into um, a lot of different, a lot of different things. It's, you know, it's very rewarding to work with your community and do that community risk reduction when you talk about, you know, home safety inside the home and you talk about wildfire safety outside the home um, and then you know the finance side of it is, is really interesting um, so I'm here at Grand Fire it's uh, I guess I'm coming up on um, it'll be 10 years so kind of exciting yeah um, yeah I, I, I got all the certifications you know did fire one fire two hazmat ops still kept my EMT um, and what I do love to do is go on fire assignments as a public information officer. So this summer, uh, we had a pretty wild wildfire season. No pun intended. 
no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, we thought 2002 was bad with the Heyman. We thought 2012 was bad and 13 with Waldo and Black Forest. And here we are in you know 2020 and we see a lot of fire. But um, as a public information officer, I got hired to go to Tucson, Arizona to work on the Bighorn Fire for two weeks. And that was another fire that a lot of people evacuated. Um, a lot of cultural sensitivity with the saguaro cactus and things like that. So it was a really challenging assignment. I did that in June and um, came back to Colorado with some good experience and um, kind of, you know, just doing some things in Colorado, doing my job, working. And August, the Williams Fork Fire started. And the Williams Fork Fire was... It, it's like the longest fire I've ever, I've ever had. I worked, I think I worked 50 days on that fire. Um, so we, when we go out as, as um, resources on teams, you can only, you can, your resource order is for 14 days. You can extend up to 21 days, but then you're done. I kept getting, I was the public information officer helping out and then I timed out and then I went back again and then I became the planning section chief and helped in that regard. So it was just, you know, working on the Williamsport fire. And we were, you know, I mean, you know, in the Fraser area, like that was a little scary for people. It was pretty close. Um, it was, you know, we had many, many conversations about how to, if and when to evacuate Fraser and Winter Park. I mean, that was a big, a big deal. I was actually in town that weekend. We came in on the 14th. Yep, the day it started. We're, we're staying in downtown Winter Park. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a picture of this teeny little fire plume coming up from downtown Winter Park. And then the very next day, I'm at a wedding at the Strawberry Creek Ranch on, yep. you know, out in Granby. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a volcano. Yeah, It's unbelievably, it, it, it just, you can't describe it. Well, you can't describe it. You know, I'm just preaching to the choir. It was breathtaking. Yes. And and, and the so here we are, we're working on the Williamsburg fire all summer, all fall. And, you know, and working on fires all, you know, every summer, right? And 14 day assignments are pretty long, 21 day assignments, but this is, I spent 50 days on the Williamsburg. My friend in uh, Eagle, she's also a public information officer. She said, Shelly, I'm going to Florida. We tried to go to Florida every year. We haven't made it every year, but we, we're going to Florida because we need a little bit of a break from the wildfires from, you know, obviously we're dealing with a pandemic as well. So we just need to, we need some downtime. So we called it our little PIO retreat to go hang out on the beach at her condo in Florida. So I, we, I think we, I think we left together. We did fly together on October 16th. So two days before that was October 14th was a Wednesday and the East Troublesome fire started. And I did get a call from my friend at the forest service, who's a public affairs. And she said, Hey, do you think you could help? We got a new fire. I'm like, Oh, I would love to help. I I just, I have this plane ticket and I made a promise and and we just need to go. And she said, okay, I understand. I mean, it's really, really hard to get people. I mean, we were in, you know, prepared this up. Excuse me preparedness level five, meaning resources are very, very slim. There's fires burning all across the West. 
And, you know, I felt very, very bad. And I asked my friend, I said, do you think I need to stay? And she's like, oh, you know, you need to get away. We need some downtime. I'm like, but this fire is in my county. This is like, it's in my county. I felt horrible. But I went anyway. And um, that fire, we just did not know um, what it was going to do. And it just... We call it the the East Troublesome Blow-Up. So a week after it started, it basically blew up on the 21st of October. It went 17 miles in a couple hours, 100,000 acres, like in in an evening, something we've never, ever seen. And it's just sickening. Um, But, you know, that all happened while, you know, we were both gone and we, um, you know, everybody was calling us and they needed help and... And then, of course, I never thought a fire that started in Kremlin was going to cross over the Continental Divide in, in Rocky Mountain National Park, right? I mean, nobody, I don't think anybody thought that. No, nobody so, did. Yeah. So, you know, we just try to keep the messages going. You know, when I told, told you I founded the Grand County Wildfire Council, like that's what we've been doing for the last 10 years is educating homeowners on what to do, how to prepare their homes, how to prepare their families, you know, how to get information and evacuate and all that stuff. And I think people, I mean, they really do. And you've mentioned it, that you just don't think it's going to happen to you. You don't think it's going to happen to you, but we have to, I think, change that mindset because it can happen to you. Yeah. We were were talking before we started the program that, when my family and I lived in Granby, you know, we lived in Innsbruck in the old Silver Creek area and we lived on top of a hill and there were no trees. And we didn't laugh, of course, but comment that, you know, I'm more worried about a blizzard than a forest fire because there's not a tree to be seen. But then you look at the houses along 125, the, the, there's a house that's on top of a hill above uh, Sea Lazy U, you know, the fellow that used to own that, of course, he bulldozed out several hundred feet from that property to create a fire break. Yep. But with the embers in the air, there was nothing that could be done. And that house burned to the ground. And so you do, you never think it's going to happen to you, especially when you live far from the heavily wooded area. Right. It's just, it's, it's so sad. And, you know, many people lost their homes. A lot. I mean, 366. Including yours. Including mine. Yeah. Yep, that was a, a, a night that I, I mean, it's just, I will, I will never forget it, but yet I can hardly remember it. It was so traumatic, you know, knowing that, you know, my, my fire department, all these fire departments, all of our neighboring counties are here trying to help. You know, evacuating people. People were calling me, um, you know, that evening, and it's two hours ahead in Florida. And they were like, "What are we supposed to do? How do we, you know, where do we go? How to evacuate?" And I said, "I'm so sorry. Like, I'm in, I'm in Florida right now. I wish I could help you. Like, you know, tune in here, and and you can get your information here." And people were calling me saying, "The road is so, you know, busy. Everyone's trying to evacuate. Can we go through the park?" And I'm like. I don't know. I'm not there. And, you know, I called the sheriff and he, he immediately answered, which was awesome. 
in the middle of this whole thing. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about you know people in my community and helping them try to get out, and I'm I, I mean I didn't even think about my house or anything. I'd never even thought about it until my daughter called, and then she called her dad, and her dad was in the house, and um, she's like, Dad, this pre-evacuation, and he's like, Oh. Well, I just listened to the evening briefing at 5.30 and nobody said anything, nothing. And she said, no, it's pre-evacuation. Like you need to like start thinking about what you're going to pack. Well, I don't think it was more than, it was like between 10 and 15 minutes at the most that he then got, well, he didn't get because he didn't have it on his phone. We'll go into that later. But (laughs) I got the evacuation notice. My daughter got the evacuation notice because we've all signed up for code red except some of us. Um, and, you know, he didn't have any time. So the first thing when, when I talked to him on the phone and he said, you know, what should I do? And I said, well, you know, make sure you get this, this, and this. Cause I had a box that had some things in it, like the birth certificates. Um, but I, I mentioned to him, one of the ways that fire can burn your house down is the ember shower, which you just talked about. Right. So even if the fire front doesn't get right up to your house the embers can blow and they land on your deck furniture so I had him untying every cushion from every chair on the deck and you know the deck was all you know wrapped around so he spent some time doing that in the hopes that that would save the house and now looking back I would rather that he grabbed the photo album and the box which didn't make it into the car. So, um, you know, basically he got out with not very much time to spare. Um, he said it was like a freight train. Um, other people have described it as, you know, a fleet of helicopters. Um, so just a horrible, horrible noise and heat and flame, you know, an orange glow coming up over the hill behind, it came from behind our house. Um, and you think, you know, it's on a golf course, you know, there's a huge fire break there and it swept right through there. I mean, the wind was like we said, hundred miles an hour. It was 72 degrees at 10 o'clock that night in October in Grand County at 9,000 some feet. Uh, the relative humidity was like 10%. Um, it's a perfect storm. Anything that we, yeah, anything that we could have done to, for the outcome not to be what it was um you know yes i'm glad very glad that everyone is safe we you know there were two fatalities in this fire um remarkable only yeah um and you know those two folks chose to stay so that's that was a choice they they made but you know from the sheriff to the emergency manager to the fire department everybody that was working uh, you know even you had all of your, you know, Winter Park Frazier um, and Grandy PD, like all everybody was there helping to get the residents out. And they opened up both sides of Highway 34 and just said, go, you know, the one thing that kind of um, hinders that when you, when you open up both sides of the highway to go one way, then fire apparatus has a little bit more difficulty getting in to do what they need to do. So they weighed that, but, you know, for us to get everyone out safely and to not have any traffic accidents um, or any medical issues, you know, we've 
we've always talked about that with the, you know, we had the, the fatalities on the road in Highway 34 on 4th of July. So, right. um, you know, to, for this to be happen when it did in October, when we talked about the shoulder season, that there weren't as many people probably in Grand Lake, you know, maybe the second homeowners had, had gone back to their front yeah, range. You were tourists in general. Right. So, you know, this could have been really a lot worse. Um, but yeah. Let's talk about, um, before we move on, let's talk about the support from the County mm-hmm. for all of the fire victims and the people that were displaced. And, you know, I think there's buckets, you know, there's the people who lost their homes, the, I don't know how many full-time residents that lost their homes, uh, I've heard the number, I just don't remember. And then there's all the people that had to relocate and all the people that opened their doors. And then there's this, this immense amount of food and clothing and other support that came in. Can, can you speak to that for just a moment or two? Sure. Um, yeah, it was pretty um, amazing and, and just really overwhelming to see all of the community members come together. You know, and I think one of the pieces that really, um, you know, brings us home is that we have been working as a county, as an, like even as an incident management team at our county with all of our county, you know, leaders since March 14th, when we had to stand up an incident management team to do the pandemic. So all of our partners have worked so close to, together. So you have that strength and that bond. That was amazing. And then, like you said, you have, um, there were nine of us first responders who lost our primary residence. Um, so nine folks. And then, you know, the folks who, who lost their primary residence versus their, you know, second home. Um, and, and you're right, I don't know the exact number, um, but looking at just our demographic that two thirds of them are second homeowners a lot up here, that maybe that's kind of the demographic of, of the lost homes. But um, You know, you had, um, you know, a disaster assistance center set up pretty quickly. Um, The town of Grand Lake obviously did a whole um, lot of, you know, donations and and food and water and all that. Um, There were GoFundMe pages that people put together. And um, I know, you know, one of them being for the first responders, which was just amazing. I mean, your brain does not work when you go through something like traumatic like this. I mean, it's, it's not the death of a person, which is, I'm sure, just horrible and horrific to go through, but it was another kind of loss, another kind of grief um, that we just, you know, we would talk to each other and just say, I just want to go home. And you just can't, your home is just gone. You know, you can't go home. So, yeah, I feel for everybody that had to do that and, and relocate. And it was, we already have a housing issue here. It's very hard to find places to live. And then you've got displaced you know, 360 plus the people that had, you know, damage and, you know, whether it's smoke or, or whatnot, but um, yeah, it just, people really came together, all the businesses, all the neighbors. I mean, we, we got so many offers to places to stay. It was hard to like, I didn't want to turn anyone down because I wasn't sure if this one was going to work out, but you just, I didn't know what to do. So we ended up, we, we got to stay in a friend's, parents home. I don't know if you remember um, 
So it's Dr. Glancy, Kelly Glancy, her parents, Doc and uh, Lindy Kennedy, they gave us their home for um, a few months just so that we had a place to go. So that was awesome. And then um, got a little bit more permanent place. Somebody wants uh, to rent their VRBO out to us for a longer term. So now we're doing that in Grandy near your old house. So um, yeah, the, the outpouring has been amazing. Um, you know, outbreak of kindness started back when COVID hit and they've continued with, you know, wildfire, the grand foundation, obviously you spoke with Megan and just the amount of donations and help that people have donated, um, to get grand County through this, you know, whether it's, um, you know, helping pay somebody's, you know, rent or, you know, helping with, we, we all have giant piles of rubble now at our our properties that we have to get rid of and you know if if you don't have good insurance or enough insurance it's very very hard but the grant foundation's been wonderful and um yeah we have a a really great community um you know that we all know that um so let's let's circle back to the grand county wild uh wildfire council mm -hmm. i mean i think you know looking forward it could happen again Oh yeah, it will. So, so let's talk about for the people in Grand County that don't know that perhaps don't live on this, you know, on, on your end of the County, as it were, um, what is the Grand County wildfire council and how does one get involved and, and what benefit would they find in being involved? Yeah. Lots, lots of, um, lots of great answers to those questions. So, the Wildfire Council is run by a five-person board, and um, we have representative from the county. Um, is it is it good to like just talk about names and people because everybody sure. it's Grand County? So Merritt Linky is uh, our vice chair. I'm the chairperson. Um, fire department here. Adam Gosey is our treasurer. Caitlin Miller from the conservation district is our secretary. Um, Philip Brinkman is uh, and Clancy Phillipsborn are both um, homeowners in some subdivisions near here. And um, we are a working board. We do, you know, chipping days. I'll get into our, our services in a second, but um, the way we're organized is that we have a steering committee. So the steering committee consists of really any agency that has any sort of land um, management responsibility or um, wildfire risk or infrastructure risk, things like that. Any homeowner, any HOA can be involved. And we, we had been meeting, but of course, in 2020, we weren't able to meet in person, um, once a quarter. So January, April, July, and October, we met on the fourth Thursday. And we met here at Grand Fire, and we'd have lunch, and we'd have some sort of topic to discuss, whether it be, um, you know, we watched the movie Paradise. I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix, but all about the Paradise um, issues with the campfire that happened in California. So we just educating ourselves something. My goal has always been that for folks to take something away to their neighborhood or their agency and educate others. Um, and, you know, obviously we talk a lot about the uh, Ready, Set, Go program that the International Association of Fire Chiefs put together. Ready, Set, Go is your wildland fire action guide. And it's a free publication that you can just order from them and they'll send them to you, or you can customize it if you have some dollars in your in your budget, which is what we did. We customized a Ready, Set, Go action guide for Grant County, had all photos, local photos, local information, and it just basically is how to be ready for a wildfire. What do you need to do on your 
property. Cut down this tree, limb up that tree, um, you know, get the pine needles out of your gutter, whatever that may be, how to prepare your home and the vegetation around it. Um, then we talk about the set part of it, which is, okay, we have wildfire. We had the Williams Fork fire. We had another fire. We had these troublesome, but there's fire in our area. What do we need to be doing? Well, we need to make sure that we have packed our bags. We need to have whatever paper we need, whatever photo album we need. Um, we pack that and it's ready. Um, we listen to the news. We listen to our incident management teams. We go on social media, whatever it is, however we get our information. InfiWeb is a great place for wildfire information, right? Making sure you're situationally aware all the time because you don't know what's going to happen. And then the third part of it being uh, go, like it's time to evacuate. Don't wait for the sheriff to tell you that you need to evacuate. If you don't feel comfortable, go ahead and evacuate. We had a lot of folks that did do that, um, you know, especially maybe the second homeowners and, and things that said, yeah, you know, I'm not going to risk it. I'm going to get my you know, important stuff and go to our, our other home or whatever. So that was, that was a good plan. Um, so yeah, um, we have a lot of tools on how to prepare for wildfire. Um, the services we offer, we know it's challenging for people to try to get rid of slash to get work done at their house because it's either time consuming or it's expensive to hire a contractor, things like that. So every summer for the last, I think five summers, we have had Free chipping days in um, all the different communities from the east to the west to the north. And people can just bring all their slash and we will chip it for free. And we've hauled it off to like the YMCA. Um, we gave it to the pellet plant for a while. Um, but just getting rid of that hazardous fuel, we call it, that, that can, you know, threaten your home if it starts on fire. So that piece of it. And then we also have a cost share program. So if you want to, if you need, like if you have a big project and you have some trees you need to get rid of, um, and maybe you get a bid from a contractor that says, oh, you know, $5,000 to remove all you know, these trees that you need to get rid of. Um, depending on how many acres you have, we can give you, we can reimburse you up to $525 an acre to um, offset the cost of your contractor. So um, people basically fill out the application, they take some before pictures, they get the bids, we look at it and say, yes, go ahead, hire your contractor, and when the bill is paid, then we will, we will reimburse you for whatever amount. So it's been really successful. Um, I would say over the last four years or so, we have taken, um, and we're funded by grant money, really, so... Northern Colorado has given us money, um, Grand Foundation, the Bureau of Land Management. Um, so we have, I think we've leveraged like $120,000 that we've gotten um, to reimburse people. Um, but they have, they have paid out over $465,000 in work that's been done. And, you know, our, our chipping program, same thing. We have, you know, a thousand people who participated in, and they put in 5,000 hours worth of work on their home um, property to get rid of fuels. And, um, and we, we, we measure all those, you know, the metrics of 
the chipping game, how much slash and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's really, you know, two really great services that, that we offer as a small nonprofit that's, you know, funded by donations. Um, I wish, I guess this, you know, could be a, a thought for the future. A lot of counties have mitigation specialists that work in the county, whether it's in community development, uh, some counties have come up with new departments called sustainability and resilience, and they tackle a lot of that. Um, you know, I, again, you know, nonprofit versus a county, um, you know, paid type of a position, I think is something that may, maybe we need to look at. Um, maybe we need to figure out other ways to raise money to do more mitigation, whether you're like Summit County where they have a mill levy or sales tax to help pay for, you know, fund these programs. So I think there's a lot that Grand County can do. We just have to, we really just have to do it. So Somebody just has to tackle the problem. Somebody has to tackle it because it is a problem. It's a fuel problem. Look at what we have. I mean, we just burned 200,000 acres of beetle kill. How many hundreds of thousands of acres are still out there? You tell me how many, how many? 800,000. There's still a lot out there. What are we going to do to get rid of it so it doesn't do what it just did on the East Trouble Zone? Yeah. So we can't, we can't not do anything. We can't go, oh, now we had our fire and we just move on to the next thing. No, we need to think about what, when and where and how it's going to happen next because we're not out of the woods. So, you know, and, and we're really, really, you know, thank goodness this fire could have just blown down on Grandy. And we saw what happened in Paradise. I mean, the, the Walmart was on fire. The, you know, the, the, the whole town was on fire. It can happen. You know, just because you're surrounded by some concrete and some, I mean, that those firestorms can, you know, I don't know. It's, we can't think it won't happen to us because it, it does. Brings up a, actually an interesting question. So, you know, that was, I think everyone's, first experience with a giant fire. Yes. What are the couple, two or three things that you take away from there as learnings for the next time? Or, you know, they trained us this way, but this is actually what happened. Right. Um, well, I think what we really do need to do is educate people because um, a lot of folks probably think that, oh, hey, there's this fire coming and it's moving toward 125. Uh, well, they'll stop it there with, you know, aircraft or retardant drops or helicopters with water buckets. We couldn't fly. We could not fly during those times. So you, there's no magic. Here comes the aircraft show and it's going to put the fire out or it's going to slow the fire down. We have to keep educating people on how this how this works. Fire in beetle kill forest like that. So hot. So intense, such crazy fire behavior. It creates its own weather, all these things. Like we, yeah, I, mean, I would say the fuel problem is one. Expectations of fire response is another. Like, you know, you can't put firefighters on that. They all had to basically evacuate people and then retreat and wait for that fire to just move through. Um, you know, when you ask what would we do differently, I mean, I went into the incident management team, uh, incident command post when I returned, not right away, but a couple, maybe a couple weeks. 
and the incident meteorologist was still there. He had been on the Williams Fork for like nine, nine weeks or something. He was still there and he just looked at me and he shook his head. He goes, I've never seen anything like this. There was no way that anything, we couldn't have changed it. Um, me cutting down another tree wasn't going to change it. Removing the couch, the cushions from the deck chairs wasn't going to change it. Um, you know, at that point, you just need to, you know, pack your stuff and get out and let those things happen. You know, but we all live in the woods because we wanted to live in the woods. And so it's our responsibility to live there responsibly. Um, but again, like, I, I, I don't know. Um, here's a message that I think should stick is not all fires do that. So this was like the tiny little unprecedented, you know, piece that um, you just, nobody thinks that it's going to happen. Right. So not all fires are like that. So we can't give up hope and say, oh, it doesn't matter what I do. My house is probably still going to burn down anyway. But we shouldn't look at it like that. We still need to keep doing the work we do in our neighborhoods, creating, you know, we call it fire adaptive communities. We can live with wildfire. We can evacuate and the fire can move through and, you know, our, our infrastructure is, is pretty well, you know, safe. Um, but, you know, I don't know. We just can't, we can't give up hope. We can't not do, do the work. We have to do it again. Cause like you said, it's going to happen again. Um, so what do we need to do now? And we need to work with our partners, right? We need to work with our land managers What's going on? You know, what's going on in the forest? What's going on on the BLM land? Um, you know, things like that. Um, and then, you know, these two fires, Williams Fork and East Troublesome, you know, how are they started? People. So Smokey Bear tells us that <laughs> nine out of 10 wildfires are started by humans. And so nine out of 10 are preventable, you know? Right. You know, we've got to keep on on the education side of it and preparedness side and prevention side, you know, we, we had stage two fire restrictions most of the summer, but yet somewhere, somehow people thought it was still okay to have a fire. You know, don't get me started on that. That I know, I know. So my brain explode. So, Hey, you mentioned education and um, you, you said the word earlier, uh, tell us about Code Red. Code Red, yes, absolutely. Code Red is a emergency notification system that Grand County uses, and uh, it's already partnered with our dispatch center. So they use Code Red to send out emergency notifications to any landline. So your businesses and your homes that still have landlines will already get a Code Red because they're landlines. It's the other side of it. It's the most people have cell phones. Therefore, most people have to sign up for Code Red. The voluntary thing. So we need more people to, to sign up for Code Red so that they are always getting the emergency notification. Go back to the one person in my family who did not have the emergency notifications on their phone. So where does one sign up for Code Red? Um, two different places. I, I'll tell you the, the easiest place probably is gcemergency.com. That's our County emergency website. You, 
you, you click on the box that says sign up for code red. And then there's another little um, thing that says sign up for code red. When you go there and sign up for code red, you put in, you can do two things. You can um, have an account so that you can always go in and change things if you want to, or you can just do one time. I'm putting in my name and address and I'm signing up. You can do it that way. Um, you put in your address where you live in Grand County or um, just your, your Grand County, if it's your second home, doesn't matter, whatever you want to do. Um, put in that address. You need to put it in like my address was 250 Grand County Road or County Road 4953. You need to put that whole uh, road in there because that's how we dispatch. And then you put in your cell phone. And that way, any notifications will come to your cell phone. You can also download the Code Red app onto your phone. Now, that's good for people. Um, well, like, say for you, you have two residences. So you could have the app. And the app will show you what's happening in the area you happen to be in at the time. So say if I was visiting up here um, and we did run into this in Grand Lake, there were people in rental homes that just did not know that there was a fire. Um, so that's really, really dangerous. When you come up here to visit us, have the code read so you'll know that there's notifications happening. And um, and then of course, you'll, you'll get them if you're signed up, so. Yeah, and code red, I don't know a lot about it, but I, I believe it's not just for fires, it's for any sort of danger where the authorities need to send an outbound message to a neighborhood, or to a part of the city or town or county or wherever to yeah. notify them of some emergency action, shelter yeah. in place or a dangerous person on the loose or whatever the case may be. Yep, yep, absolutely. Boil, boil your water because somehow the water system's gotten uh, exactly. So it's yeah. important. The the key here is it's not it's not limited to wildfire. It's no. any sort of emergency outreach. Absolutely. Yep, and every every county has some sort of a system and we just happen to use code red. Um, and I would just, yeah, highly, highly recommend that everybody sign up for that. Um, I, I mentioned the other place. So um, I'm looking at the Grand County Wildfire Council website, bewildfireready.org. And you can sign up for code red there as well, but it goes to the same place. Um, it's just getting, getting there and, and clicking the buttons and doing it. So well, this has been fantastic. Well, I appreciate you letting me uh, kind of, you know, tell the story. It was it was very, um, very traumatic to be on the other side of this. When normally I'm the one who's helping with the evacuation or in the emergency operations center or being the public information officer and helping people, you know, get the right information. And, and now I'm on the other side of it and it just feels but. But like you said, the community's just been amazing and everybody's just been so supportive. Um, everybody, you know, everyone, all the different individuals and organizations and, and businesses. And yeah, it's just been, it's a great place. So I hope everyone knows how much I appreciate it. I mean, um, when, when we do, we go to fires and the people will say, how can we thank the firefighters? And, you know, you'll see signs will say, oh, you know, put up signs or send them a thank you card or, you know, things like that. Um, we saw that in Arizona on the Bighorn. We just got lots of thank you notes. And of course, here we did, too. Um, 
But one thing I would also add is the one thing you can do to help the firefighters is to create the defensible space around your home so firefighters can work safely. Sign up for Code Red. Um, you know, make sure the tree is not touching your house. Make sure you um, know what to pack and when to pack it. And but yeah, and to evacuate, just get out when you when, when you're supposed to when you're when things are happening, just get out, get be, get safe, and let people know where you are. And you know, those are things that you can do to help firefighters. But the fire crews that were out there did an amazing job with the little time they had um, to get everyone out and to to put out some of those fires. So I'm really proud of them. Absolutely heroic effort. Well, Shelly, thank you for your time. I, I'm so happy we got a chance to catch up and your insight into not only your personal journey around fire, but your personal experience with fire is something that everybody should hear. Well, well I really appreciate you having me on, John. This is a great platform and I wish you the best and hopefully we can talk again. Fantastic. This is Grand County Matters.